everyone, and welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to episode 122, and this podcast episode is a solo episode all about hot flashes. This is part of our breast cancer education series on survivorship topics, and we've already talked about skin, hair, and beauty, and that episode is up on YouTube, but I probably will release the audio here as well soon um, if you if it's easier to listen to it that way. And the November episode was both hot flashes and joint pain. That's a big topic, a lot of information. So I'm breaking it down. And today's episode is going to be all about hot flashes, what they are, and ways to treat them both from medications so or pharmacologic approach, and then a non-pharmacologic approach, including exercise, behavioral, lifestyle interventions, and then of course, all of the different supplements that people ask about. Lots of information. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. What is a hot flash? A hot flash is a sudden temporary onset of body warmth, flushing, and sweating. Now, sweating is our body's way of lowering our body temperature by causing heat loss through the skin. Night sweats are hot flashes and sweats that happen while someone is sleeping. This is very common in patients that are undergoing active treatment and also common in patients who are done with active treatment for cancer. And this goes beyond just breast cancer, hot flashes and night sweats really impact kind of across the board. And many cancer treatments can cause hot flashes and night sweats. And really, you know, we kind of think about this as being from tamoxifen and being from endocrine um, aromatase inhibitors, but it goes beyond endocrine therapy. And especially when our treatments, whether for breast cancer or for a different cancer, cause women to go into menopause, then we definitely can get a lot of hot flashes and a lot of night sweats and really can be debilitating and can impact quality of life. Why are they problematic? Well, more than just saying this is really annoying, I'm hot, I have to change my clothes. Um, we know that in breast cancer survivors, hot flashes are associated with more sleep problems, higher pain severity, and poor mental health. So it's more than the uncomfortableness of it. It really has tangible problems. And that same study that showed that those hot flashes have more sleep and pain and mental health issues also show that half of breast cancer survivors experience hot flashes at either daily and or weekly intervals. And how can we predict if someone is going to experience hot flashes or not? Typically, some predictors have been shown to have a history of hormone suppression therapy. So that's our endocrine therapy. That's also the ovarian suppression that we give for a lot of our younger breast cancer patients and a younger age. So the younger that someone is, the more likely it is that they're going to experience hot flashes. But <clears throat> I will tell you that in clinical practice, that doesn't always pan out. You know, I have a lot of older patients with hot flashes, a lot of younger patients who don't have any. But those are just some things that we kind of can 
you know, use to gauge. So this slide, and if you're listening to this just in the audio, you can't see it, but this is a, there's a picture that I'm sharing here that talks about all of the interventions that are available for treating hot flashes. And some are um, behavioral, which we'll get into an exercise. Then we have pharmacologic options, which we will get into, and then supplements. And I, I think I get the most questions about supplements. So we'll talk about that. So we've got our natural health products, we have behavioral therapies, we have pharmacologic interventions. So all of these are things that we can do an attempt to try to treat hot flashes. And my point in saying all of this is that if you are experiencing hot flashes, it does not mean that you are doomed to continue to be miserable from them. There are lots of things that we can try to do. Let's first talk about non-pharmacologic options. First thing is integrative therapies. There is data for cognitive behavioral therapy, yoga, and hypnosis. And I don't think I've ever actually had someone do hypnosis, but it really, there's data showing that it works. Behavioral therapy can be really helpful in yoga. Um, I think yoga is, has so many benefits, but one of them is that it may help with hot flashes. Weight loss is recommended if someone is overweight or obese. Now for acupuncture, I love acupuncture. I think, again, there's so many uses of it and it's a non-medication, um, which I think is always great. We try to limit adding as many medications if we can. And the data for acupuncture in, in hot flashes is mixed, but it, it can help some people. And there's really not a great harm to acupuncture. So I always like to bring that up as an option. And, you know, even if it doesn't help with hot flashes, it may help with something else that you're experiencing, like anxiety or mood changes, um, you know, or joint pain. And so, you know, you might find neuropathy, you might find different benefits. Uh, supplements, we'll, we'll get into that. Exercise. Exercise, I should really talked about this first because exercise is one of the best things, any physical activity is one of the best things that we can do um, to lower our hot flash risk or hot flash incidence, not to mention exercise has so many other benefits. And so what you're seeing here, right, is a lot of the treatments for hot flashes actually have other benefits and are going to overlap with some of the things we're going to talk about for joint pain as well. Nutrition, I'm going to share a recent study with you in a little bit talking about um, a low fat uh, I'm sorry, plant-based diet and soybean supplementation for hot flashes and then behavioral modification. So these are probably some of the easiest things to do and things like using a fan. Um, it's healthy people keep like a little fan by your, let's say table sometimes at night, if you're having a lot of night sweats, lowering the room temperature, um, avoidance of triggers. So trying to figure out what triggers your hot flashes. For some people, it's alcohol. For other people, it's spicy food. For some, it's caffeine. And that I understand, like, it's hard to give that up if you enjoy it. But if that really triggers your hot flashes, figuring out a way to modify um, can be really helpful. I sometimes people who have switched from hot coffee to iced coffee, and they find that even though that has caffeine, avoiding the, the hot um, coffee helps them. So trying to figure out. And then there's a lot of kind of newer products, newer clothes, newer mattresses, mattress pads, pillow topper, like all those things that are designed for cooling. And I'm not sure how well any of those work, but certainly if that's something that you want to try um, and you do try and it works, let me know. Supplements. So this, this, I get so many questions on, and I'm just going to kind of talk about each one. So the best data that we have here probably is for vitamin E. 
Um, the data for all of these is mixed and you have to understand them. When we study supplements, we don't have the best studies. We have kind of, we ask people, um, you know, either half the group takes a supplement, half the group doesn't, or we ask them, were you taking supplements during your treatment? So a lot of the data is in small studies, but it is what we have. Um, so vitamin E, the data is mixed, but it may have a marginal benefit. Um, ginseng and flaxseed, that data is mixed, but likely not helpful. And black cohosh, um, there's no evidence for hot flashes. Now, I will have some patients who want to try these things, and they might find that they help. You know, remember, these are population study level results. So there are going to be people that it helps. Um, and so I always tell people, look, um, you know, when I get asked about a supplement, whether it's on this list or not, I will say, you know, the first thing I say, is it safe for you to take this? And that's number one. And number two, if it's safe, you know, what's the evidence behind it? And if it's safe, but there is no evidence, but my patient really wants to try it. I mean, I don't necessarily see, I think that's okay to give it a try, just understanding here is the data. And, and most importantly, again, is it safe or not in context with your cancer history, your cancer treatment and all of that. And as always, um, I say this all the time, but talk to your oncology team before starting any, any supplements. Um, this is really, really important because again, you may think, okay, you know, this doesn't have estrogen. This must be safe. And there may be something that you don't necessarily, you know, ha hasn't been brought up that like, for example, turmeric and tamoxifen, like we don't want to take turmeric supplements if you're on tamoxifen. So these are some, this is an example of something that you may not have known about until you specifically ask about a particular supplement. So definitely just talk to your oncology team, send them a message. Um, I think this is really, really important and safe. What about over-the-counter medications? Um, so I had to find this picture, just Googled hot flash medications, and these are the things that come up. So you've got Relizin from Bonafide, Equel, Bonafide again, Stripes, Meno, so hormone-free menopause. And so, you know, you can see they're not the cheapest. Um, and do any of these work? And here's what I recommend when you are looking, um, you know, you might have, let's say a friend who tried one and says, oh, this was great. I had great results and you want to try it. Um, you know, it may help you. It may not. Everyone is different. But again, just like I always go back to saying, well, is the supplement safe? We're going to do the same thing with these over-the-counter kind of hot flash medications. So first thing you want to do is assess the active ingredients. What's really in them? And I always think when you see proprietary blend and putting that in quotation marks, um, a lot of that is a way for them not to necessarily disclose what's in there. And so that makes me a little bit worried if they cannot be transparent. Um, I understand sometimes they don't want to reveal their ingredients, but if a company is not being transparent, that's a little bit of a red flag for me personally. Some of these can be really expensive. So you have to kind of say to yourself, is this worth it for me? Um, talk to your doctor, of course, before trying any of them. And then finally, pay attention to your symptoms. You know, we I think can get bogged down by so many fads and so many things that are popular. And a lot of times you may take them and you may take them for months and it's not actually helping with your symptoms. Um, and so pay attention, you know, are your hot flashes getting better? You know, were you, okay, you were having 10 hot flashes before and now you're having six, you know, for example. So just really monitoring and figuring out, is this something that is helping me or not? Physical activity. So both aerobic and resistance training have been reported to reduce hot flashes. Now I will share 
that these are not specifically in cancer trials, um, but they are in the general population. And but we're going to extrapolate to say that if they work for the general population, who people go through menopause, who are experiencing hot flashes, why wouldn't they work for someone um, who is a cancer survivor or thriver? And also, I like to put this in there that exercise can reduce the risk of cancer recurrence. So that's just yet another reason that we want to get moving. Plant-based diet. So this study was published a little while ago um, in 2022, and it looked at a plant-based diet for vasomotor half flashes, symptoms of menopause. Now, again, this is not in a cancer patient population. Um, this is in the general population, but I'm going to just extrapolate again. <clears throat> So what they did in the study, they had 84 postmenopausal women who had at least two moderate to severe daily hot flashes. And so it's a small study right away. It's already under 100 patients. But they took this group and half of them received a dietary intervention, which was a low fat vegan diet. And they also had half a cup of cooked soybeans per day. And the other half were a control group that they made no dietary changes. They were just told, okay, eat what you normally eat. And the only thing that the group got was the soybeans, everything else they had to do on themselves, by themselves. And they looked at three-day dietary records to measure dietary adherence. And each group couldn't have more than one drink of alcohol, oops, one drink of alcohol per day. <clears throat> Now, hot flashes decreased by 88% in the low-fat vegan soybean group compared with 34% for the control group. And that intervention group, the low-fat vegan group, also had greater improvements in quality of life. Um, and so, you know, while again, this was not a breast cancer-specific study, but it supports the fact that plant-based diets may help with hot flashes. And one of the things that I like here is that they didn't give patients a vegan diet because sometimes when you give someone, um, you know, if you send them all the meals, it's people ask, well, can I replicate this on my own? And so people did, um, you know, do it on their own. I don't love the idea that this was low fat because um, I think there's a lot of good vegan foods that are maybe higher in fat, like avocados and, um, you know, olive oil and nuts, but, you know, that's what they followed. So that's our supplements, that's our behavioral changes, that's our non-pharmacologic options. And what about pharmacologic options? So there are a number of medications that can help with hot flashes. And while there are regular starting doses, different doses you know, will work for each patient. And so the most common is venlafaxine or Effexor. And then there's other ones, desvenlafaxine, escitalopram, which is Lexapro, Citalopram, which is Celexa, sertraline, which is so often there's less data for this, and paroxetine and fluoxetine, and these are contraindicated on tamoxifen. But you can see here that there is a list, and you you know people can definitely um, you know go from one to another and switch around, and obviously this should be done very closely with close monitoring. Other, in addition, we have anti-seizure and nerve pain medications such as gabapentin and pregabalin. Clonidine, which is a sedative and blood pressure medication, oxybutynin, which is a bladder relaxant. I, I use this one once in a while and it can be helpful. And then, of course, hormone therapy. And I put this in there because 
it when you think look at what can help with hypophysis hormone therapy comes up however this is contraindicated for the majority of breast cancer patients um and something that you would want to talk to your oncologist and gynecologist about before doing and primary care about before doing and I want to share this study. This study uh, was published a couple of years ago, and it looks as oxybutynin. And if we come back, remember I said that oxybutynin is a bladder relaxant. And they took, they did a study of oxybutynin versus placebo for hot flashes, both in women with or without breast cancer. And they found that women with or without breast cancer who are not candidates for hormone replacement therapy, like I said, most of our patients, and had 28 or more hot flashes per week. So that's, that's a lot. Um, that's about, it's about seven, no, it's about four a day. So that's, that's a lot. Um, some of you may be listening to this and saying four hot flashes, that's nothing. I have 10, but you know, um, so they had, who had 28 or more hot flashes per week for greater than 30 days. They either got placebo, they got 2.5 milligrams twice a day of oxybutynin or five milligrams twice a day. And the patients in both oxybutynin arms had reductions in hot flash scores. They also experienced improvements in work, in social activity, leisure activity, sleep, mood, relationships, life enjoyment, and overall quality of life. Um, and so that's an option. Um, neither dose improved concentration or sexuality, but the most common side effect is dry mouth. So a lot of people actually don't like it. And other side effects include headache, dizziness, diarrhea, constipation, dry eyes, and stomach pain. So that's a list. Uh -huh. And so I'll tell you that some of my patients will say like, I'm not, the hot flashes are bothersome, but I'm not willing to risk all these other side effects. Whereas other people will tell me I will do anything to get rid of my hot flashes. So kind of knowing where you fall is important. So should I take medication for hot flashes? So medications can be quite effective for hot flashes, but they do have side effects. Um, and I, like everything, it is a risk-benefit discussion. For example, Effexor or venlafaxine, which like I said is the most commonly used for hot flashes, can cause weight gain and decrease sex drive and libido. So again, it's a risk-benefit. And a lot of these things you can try. And if it if you don't tolerate it, if you have side effects, then you could always, you know, switch or stop and things like that. And ultimately, it really is about identifying your goals and figuring out the impact on your quality of life. I think that is the most important. Lastly, when we talk about hot flashes, I want to talk about testosterone. Testosterone therapy is administered as pellets under the skin, and it can help ease menopausal symptoms, including hot flashes. The concern initially was that testosterone would increase breast cancer risk in women who had no prior breast cancer history, but we have a number of studies that have shown that testosterone can actually reduce breast cancer risk. So we are not worried about giving it to someone with no history of breast cancer. Um, that's typically not the population that I'm seeing. Um, the data in breast cancer survivors have, there's some preliminary, very early studies that show safety in breast cancer survivors. Um, and there actually are pellets that have testosterone and an aromatase inhibitor available. But in general, unfortunately, it's not routinely done at this time um, because we don't have a lot of great data. It still makes people very nervous. 
but it is a question that I get asked a lot. And so I think I wanted to just bring it up and address it, but to say that, you know, something you should talk to your doctor about, but I, I don't use, and, and I don't know really of any oncologists that are using testosterone for breast cancer survivors at this point. Thank you all for listening. I hope that you found this episode helpful. I hope that you found the information helpful and that you can take this information and talk to your healthcare team about options that may work for you, or maybe this will motivate you to start moving a little bit more or to incorporate some dietary changes that may help with hot flashes. I would love to know if you have any comments or questions or thoughts, feel free to reach out to me at Dr. Japlinski on any social media platform, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, you name it. And if you have a moment, I am so grateful if you can leave a rating or review or both for the interlude podcast on Apple Podcasts as that really helps me to grow the show, to bring it to new listeners. I have some big goals for 2023 and reviews can really help me get there. Have a great week and I will see all of you soon. Thank you.